We always want the Holy Spirit among us every time we gather. Actually, we want the Holy Spirit to go with us wherever we go. But one of the results of the Holy Spirit being among us is this thing of joy. I point your, uh, turn your attention to the poster over here, Jesus Church. That's going to become our series of messages over the next five weeks. And so today we're starting on the J with joy, being joyful, joy-filled, joyful. And uh, um, about 11 years ago, I heard a choir sing. And uh, uh, they were from Macronesia. Now, one of the things that we don't get in the United States of America, and I'm not sure why, maybe we've had it so good for so long, is this thing of pure joy. I'm not talking about something you have to conjure up. I'm talking about what Jesus sends down and into your heart. And when I saw this video you're about to see, this choir is from uh, one of the international Christian international universities down there. And just for about four or five minutes, they do nothing but sing uh, Psalm 100. I hope you'll let it bless you as we begin. Go ahead. things like that, but I'm telling you, that lights my fire to see people excited about the Lord and all that's going on. It's Psalm 100, and uh, uh, if you will, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 8, Nehemiah chapter 8, and I will get there, Nehemiah chapter 8. Is everybody okay this morning? I understand some of your football teams lost yesterday. Is that what affecting you today? Because today we're going to talk about joy. But I want to do it this way. I want to do it collectively. I want to start with a couple of questions. We'll start with a couple of questions, and we're going to put them up on the screen. Question number one. What do you dream for this church? What do you dream about this church being under God? Second question would be, does your dream cause you to pray for this church? Does what you dream for this church cause you to pray for this church? And I'll I'll pause here because some of you will say, why don't you say our church, Brother Jerry? And I think I need to give a caveat, and I think I need to do it publicly. I did it first hour. I'll do it again. You see, the the truth for me is I have this deep spiritual conviction that the church, if it's a real church, if it's a genuine church, it's a gospel church, a Bible church, a spiritual church, an authentic church, it's not ours. 
It's not, if you ever hear me refer to it as our church, you'll know either I'm really tired or I've really made a bad slip up. You see, it's not his church, brothers and sisters. It's not our church, brothers and sisters. It's his. This belongs to him. What we do, we do under his lordship. And somehow, even if it's anecdotally that we refer to it as our church, human beings have this capacity to make words become truth and fact. And neither me nor I believe any of you want to do that with God's church. And so let's go back to the two questions. And let me say this to you. If you have no dreams or hopes or goals that God has put into your heart, what does that say? I mean, when you think about it, Jesus, whose church it is, Jesus was forever teaching and reaching and touching and discipling and commissioning and sending. And then when Jesus went back to heaven in John twenty twenty one, he said, as the Father sent me down here, now I'm sending you out. So we put it in our hands. Last Sunday, the deacons and I had a, we didn't have a long discussion, but we had a brief discussion and a meaningful discussion about this very thing. And from the men, I picked up one word. It's home. Home. I smiled when I, when I was studying writing this because when I think of home, I think of Michael Bublé's song, I want to go home. Or I think about that commercial on television where our disabled vets, where home means so much to them. Home. But you see, home is that place that you feel so comfortable that you're at peace, that you feel secure. It's like a haven from the world outside. Home is a place where you learn, where you grow, where you're at peace, where you have fun, where you love. And even for a while, you leave it to do whatever it is that you do. But I want to call you today to consider with me, as the men did last week, I want you to consider with me how good it would be. No, I want you to consider how great it would be when someone, anyone, everyone walked through the back door or the front door of this place into this place that because of the atmosphere, because of the love, because of the environment, they instantaneously felt at home and never wanted to leave here because they found here what they needed. The joyful and welcoming congregation, the people who were loving, and they felt the presence of the Lord Jesus, and they find a Jesus church. Now there's the banner. We're going to put it up here on the screen just so you can be sure to see it. A joyful, encouraging, spirit-filled, unselfish, and sensitive servant type of church. Over the next five weeks, we're going to unpack this, so I pray that you will be here each and every time. Because if you are, and if we embrace this, 
and we embrace the application by changing our lives to fit into the mold of being a Jesus church, it could revolutionize this church and do something above and beyond. We're, this is a good church. But wouldn't it be something if God took hold of it and did a work here that none of us have ever imagined, where we would bring people into the kingdom, and once they're in the kingdom, that they become, we become family, and this becomes home. Man, I, and, and, and what will happen is that first thing right there is that we become joyful because of who Jesus is and, and what Jesus has done and what he wants to do in our life. That's what I saw on the kids when I saw that choir uh, 10, 11 years ago when I, when I picked it up. You see, they don't have to put on this attitude of joy because it's evoked from them. I know this because it's, 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 it's unusual. In America, it's ho-hum. In fact, I'm reading a book by George Barna that says two-thirds, 66 to 70 percent of people in our population in America are casual Christians. That means that they say they love Jesus. They may even attend church. But they really don't let what Jesus says really affect their life. Somebody told me, you can preach all you want to, and everybody's okay until you start asking them to let the teaching of God's Word affect their life. But can I tell you, when the teaching of God's Word begins to affect our lives, what happens is that we put on the joy like Jesus did. I mean, Jesus even found joy in the cross. Look at Hebrews Jesus said, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews says this, For the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. What was his joy? It was you and me. It was us. It was coming together as his family. But let's just look at a couple of people. P, uh, Jesus, Peter and John and Paul. I'm just going to put a couple of them up here. Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you that your joy that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Do you know what Peter's, excuse me, do you know what John said? John said, I'm writing these things so that our joy may be full. Now, you know what Peter said? Peter spoke of joy inexpressible and full of glory. And I couldn't put Paul up there because Paul writes so much about joy, even when he was in that hole in the ground, and that we call a prison, he wrote a letter to the church at Philippi. Go there and look, and all of it's about joy, because his joy didn't depend on his circumstances. His joy depended on Jesus. Brothers and sisters, please listen to me. Like it or hate me for it, but it's still God's word. A church should be a place of celebration and pure joy. Why? Because... When you have been brought from death to life. Boy, I hadn't rung anybody's bell yet. Let me say this again. I don't think you heard it. When you have been brought from death to life, you were in a casket, and now you're in a house. You were in a grave, and now you're on your way to heaven. You, you literally had no hope, and now you know the hope of the world. When you have been brought from death to life, it doesn't get any better than that. Now, here's what I want to say to you. Uh, I preached this message. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. I preached, I preached a message on joy, joy the missing fruit, 12 months ago in this pulpit, my second Sunday here. It was not the first time I'd preached that message, although in that form it was. I prepared that message 
As a director of missions, I want you to hear why. Because as I visited over the last six to ten years, close to a hundred churches, I have found that you don't find much joy in the church. They come in, they fold their hands. I mean, let's just pick on us today. Okay, let's just pick on us today. Some of us in here that are so stately this morning were standing on the back of your couch yesterday when you were watching your ball game. We love joy. We just haven't made joy in this place. I mean, I prepared that message because so many church services are more like a wake or worse. Now, Brother Jerry, how can you get worse than a wake? Well, for those that don't know, I'll, I'll be leaving. I'll explain it in a second, and I'll be headed to a wake this afternoon for my uncle. You know what? At a wake, Parker, people love you, man. I mean, you walk in, they have a good time with you. Uh, and I'll just tell you this afternoon, as sad as it is that we said goodbye to my uncle, and he's had so much impact over many states for the Lord, we will probably have a lot of laughs at his expense because he had a lot of laughs at our expense when he was alive. Y'all got me? You see, the truth is, is that, is that we should, we should find joy in the journey. I really, I really feel like I'm not communicating today. A year ago, I quoted Vance Havner. Vance Havner was a revivalist of the 21st century. And this is what he said. You see it on the screen? He said, the church suffers today from a saddening lack of old-fashioned, simple-hearted, overflowing Christian joy. We have plenty of knowledge, plenty of enthusiasm and denominational zeal, but Christians and churches that started out in revival fires are living in the smoke. And the amens and hallelujahs have gone from most of the assemblies of the saints. Joy should be the badge we wear. Can I just ask you a question? Are you happy today? Are you, are you joyful in the Lord today? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Okay, I took you off balance. This is New Hope. We don't really respond, so I'm going to give you another shot at that, okay? Are you joyful in the Lord today? Do, do you, I mean, you don't have to answer this time for goodness sakes. I mean, do you really mean it? Because here's what I know about this crowd here. We love joy. We love to have throw a party. We're there. And we got, we got our smiles on. We got our best selves on because we're going to have some grub. We're going to have some games. We're going to have some fellowship. And we're going to have some joy. We love joy. We go to ball games. We, we go to other things, other events because we love joy. Whoever told you? I just, somebody tell me when you get back to me, when I get back in town, you come by and say, Brother Jerry, this is who told me. Who told you that you, when you come to church that you have to look like you've been sucking on a sour persimmon? You see, we're to be joy-filled, we're to be joyful, we're to be full of joy. And it's not just putting on that fakey smile. My mom said, 
planting a fake smile on your face. It's about being filled with Jesus and that you're excited about being together. These guys just sang about the Spirit of the Lord. And when you get full of the Spirit of the Lord, down in your heart, it erupts from your face. It erupts from your, from your mouth. It erupts in so many ways because it's joy. Just to do it as kids. The old, i got a few folks in here that will remember some of these. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And then this morning, first hour, we sang, He has made me glad, He has made me glad. You know, the truth is, the joy we don't have to conjure up comes from somewhere in our heart. A Jesus church must begin by being joyful. If we're not joyful, then we will never be what Jesus wants us to be. Now, you didn't think I was ever going to get to the scripture. I want to give you three reasons. I want to give you three reasons. And if you've got that bulletin in front of you, you know, I left a bulletin and I left a folder and I left something on that front pew. And somebody has, I'm going to call the sheriff when I leave, they've absconded with it. So in that bulletin is a place for you to just kind of write these down. Three reasons for us to be joyful. First of all, because of his strength. Because of his strength. Now, if, you, if you're in Nehemiah 8, I'm going to begin reading in verse 8. I'm not going to read all the way to 12. I'm going to read to 10. Verse 8. They read out of the book of the law. Excuse me. They read out of the book of the law of God. That means that they did Bible reading, translating and giving the meaning so people could understand. That means they were preaching what was read. Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. I'm about ready that we put a sign over a worship center when we walk in. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. Now that puts a different spin on it because they were weeping because they had broken God's law. And they were broken hearted because they knew he was broken hearted. Verse 10. Then he said to them, go and eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, And send portions to those who have nothing prepared, since today is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, because, here it is, you can put it up there. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You see, it is is the joy that comes from deep inside of our hearts. Because of our relationship to the Lord, it's what gives us strength for the journey. It's what gives gives us strength for our day-to-day life. His joy that gives us strength to be all we can be. If you want to be something, you fall in love with the Lord and you find His joy. Because you see, when you are full of joy, let me just pause here. I don't want to preach over your head. When you are full of joy, life takes on a different meaning and a different outlook takes on a different meaning and a different... Why is that? Well, if you're, if you're woe is me all the time, here's what's going to happen. Miserable people love miserable people. 
Hurting people hurt people. Joyful people make an impact. When you are full of Jesus, when you are full of joy, Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is is directing your life. Kevin Ham is one of my favorite preachers and a really good friend. Pud and I drove down to Bay St. Louis to hear him last Monday night, and I've heard him say a dozen times that a church, the church that God blesses, is a church that is holy. That means they're doing what he said. And there's happy. And they're happy. Happiness joyful is like Acts chapter 2, folks. This is not foreign to the scripture. Have you ever thought about it? 3,000 people got saved and then they met daily. They didn't meet once a week. They met daily. They studied daily. They ate daily. You know why? Because of the gladness of heart that was in them. Because God had, through the Holy Spirit, set them free. And they knew what it was to be free. They had a gladness or a joyful heart. And they enjoyed being together. They didn't come together because they had to because church scheduled time. They just got together. Because they loved being together. Pure joy in the church. Listen. It's not up there. Listen. Pure, pure, pure joy in the church affects Actions affects activities, and it affects the appeal of the church. I can unpack that in really long form, be here a while. But let me just say this this way, is that you know, come on, don't be too spiritual for me. You know how much better you act when you're full of joy than when you're fit. Full of misery or sorrow or drudgery or duty. And when, you're, when you have that joy in your life, you make the world around you happy and joyful. And then you move from that, you move from that to activities. And, and when you have this outlook, when you have this action, that, that an attitude that is joyful, it moves to activities because when you are filled with joy, you look forward to the activities. You, you can't wait for the activities. You, you can't sit still. You can't keep it to yourself. You can't be quiet about it. You see, a church that's that joyful in their action and activities becomes a church with great appeal. You can't argue with joy. Y'all know that? You can argue doctrine, you can argue the Bible, you can argue this, you can argue that, you can be wrong or right, but you can't argue with joy. The church becomes, the church that's joyful becomes a church that has a great appeal. Do you know why? Okay, now this is going to go over your head because nobody's going to know what I'm talking about. Because this world's always trying to pull us down. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Trying to pull us away from the Lord. Trying to stomp on us, trying to leave us behind. You see, when the joy of the Lord becomes our strength, when we greet each other like we're joyful, people will come and feel at home and want to stay, and they will want to know the reason for our joy, which is Jesus. I'll pass this point, but I will ask this question. Who among us wants to be a part of a church that's nothing but depressing?
But every time something comes up, you got three naysayers and 17 againers. That everybody sees that the glass is half empty instead of half full. I can tell you who wants to be a part of that. No one. And that is why people are abandoning the church today. They're not necessarily abandoning Jesus. But they're abandoning the organized church today. You see, in his joy, in his joy, we can be strong enough to overcome. The reason to be joyful is because of his strength. The second is because of his spirit. That's what these guys just sang about. I love that song, Holy Spirit, you're welcome to here. You can turn to, to Galatians. It's on the screen, 522, Galatians 522. And Paul is writing. And he says, look at this, but the fruit of the Spirit is, let's just stop right there. You see, when we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts, the Holy Spirit of God in our hearts, it births in our hearts and our lives this thing called love. And so look at there back at verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is, can anybody say it with me? Love. Almost. Okay, boys and girls, let's try it again. Can you say it with me? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Okay. I could tell a funny story about that, but I won't stop right now, okay? Love. This is God's love. It's not the kind of love the world offers you. You know where they love you today and they hate you tomorrow, or the only kind of love you give is someone who just lets everybody do and do what they want to. This is God's love. God's love never stops. It never fails. It never gives up. It never gets tired. It goes on and on. And we, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, His love flows through us. It finds root in us. And then all of a sudden we find ourselves exuding God's love. So, then you have a bunch of church people who are, ex who are full of the Holy Spirit, who are exuding God's love. And you know what the next thing you'll hear, Parker? I got joy like a river. I got joy like a river. You don't like it? It's okay. Be mad. I got joy. It don't matter what you have. I'm telling you, the joy that comes from inside changes the church. And now laughter in the church, instead of becoming the... The exception, the, I can't even think of the word, the taboo, instead of it being uh, the exception, it becomes the norm. Instead of it being the extraordinary, it becomes the ordinary. Why? Because the environment has changed. And the love flows and it's so palpable. People can feel it. They can touch it. And you know what flows out of that? When you get the love of God in your heart, what takes root, love, and what moves forward, what it produces, the fruit it produces, it tells you right here, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, God love, and what comes out is joy. And I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, you can't argue with joy. That's why I think... Um, I think it was Bill Gaither that wrote the song, If you're happy, notify your face. Notify your face. You see, the, 
The truth is, let's just be honest about this. Some of us love being less than joyful. I'm trying to be nice. Be less than joyful. We love to be the death of the party instead of the life of the party. Well, we're having a good time, Parker. Yeah, but you know I got this aching in my knee. You know I got this aching. You know, you know I, it, life just doesn't treat me right. You, here's what I'm going to tell you. Doesn't it just frustrate you to no end? Be honest. To be having a bad day. To be having a pity party. And somebody walk in full of joy. Doesn't it, you know, don't you just want to slap them? Sure you do. Because we're back to that thing that misery loves company. I want to just tell you, now, if it doesn't affect you, like I see some of you not really thinking like that. But if you're too spiritual to be that way, God bless you. But I'm not too spiritual. I can tell you I've lived that. On Wednesday night... Wednesday nights. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we ha- still have church here on Wednesday nights. Starts at 6.30. I speak for just a minute or two, five, six, seven minutes, and then we pray together. And, and I'm just reminding you of that. I'm not being ugly. I'm reminding you of that because it's obvious to me that some have forgotten. Wednesday night, 6.30. On Wednesday night, I mentioned Isaiah 50, 55, and it begins, Who's ever thirsty, let him come. Whoever thirsts, that means anybody. Whoever's thirsty, let them come. And the water you give is the same water that Jesus offered, offered the woman to well in the New Testament. And then down in there, he talks about when revival, he talks about the snow and the ice and, and there's all picturesque thing. And then, and then down in about 12 or 13, 11, 12, it said, it gives you four results that comes from drinking the flooding water in your soul. And here they are. It's peace. I mean, joy. Joy is the first one. You shall go out with joy. You'll be led forth with peace. And then it's singing. The mountains and the hills will go before you and break into singing. That word means just break into it. Now, Kevin was more palatable than I was Wednesday night. But the word picture there in the Hebrew is really that you get so full of it that you can't keep it in. He talked about a lot of things. But for me, I, I remember the last time I got sick to my stomach. And I tried to make it to the bathroom. Hello? Am I still talking above your head? None of you have ever been sick? And I didn't make it because it had to come out. Are you all with me? That's the negative way that this song, that this joy should come out. It should just overflow us and overfill us so much that it's got to come out. Being filled with the Spirit. You know, if you're filled with the Spirit, I'm going to say there's a lot more of Him than there are of you. If you're really filled with Him, it's just about got to leak out somewhere. Hello? When His Spirit takes over, joy sets in. So I'm giving you two of them because of His strength, because of His Spirit. If you haven't been listening, I want you to listen for the few minutes that remain. A Jesus church begins with, feet, with being joyful because of his salvation. That's back in Psalm 51. That's our friend old David writing about it. Psalm 51.
For all those who have walked the aisle, been baptized, and say, I'm good for eternity, let me just say this to you. Just because you trusted Christ and Christ came into your life don't mean you never sin. Doesn't mean you live a perfect life before the Father. And when you think about that sin, sometimes it's disheartening, disturbing, depressing, defeating. But we sin and displease us as the Father, and it steals our joy. That's why we won't open our mouth and say anything about it. It steals our joy. But sin, listen, fellow believer, listen. Sin will only steal your joy if you persist in it. If you're too proud to admit that you've failed God and, and committed a sin, if you're too proud to repent, then you're too proud to find the freedom that only he can give and the joy he can give. I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message. No one is as miserable as a person who is incarcerated. For you see, they've had their freedom taken away. They've had their life taken away. They're controlled by something they don't want to be controlled by. Please listen. Sin incarcerates you. Sin keeps you captive. But Jesus, being Jesus, went to the cross to pay for that sin. He died for that sin. He died so you can be forgiven from your sin. Nobody sinned. Nobody's sin has been more public than old King David when he broke five of the Ten Commandments in short order just because he saw a woman that he wanted to sleep with. And he thought he got away with it. Until Nathan comes and tells a story and David's so indignant. Isn't that the way sinners are? Indignant. How dare they? Who could do that? And David said, let the man die. And Nathan looked at his king and he pointed his finger and said, you are the man. And at that point, he wrote, he wrote this Psalm 51 because he knew Nathan was, instead of killing Nathan like he could have as a king, he understood. You know, today preachers say things like that and people get mad and want to crucify him as opposed to doing what David did. This is the David effect. Verse 10, he says, God, create a clean heart for me and renew a steadfast or right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me. Why do you lose your, why do you lose your joy when you sin? It is because it breaks your relationship to the Father. If there's going to be joy, if, people, if there's going to be palpable joy in this place, if people are going to see us as a joyful church, it's not something we put on. It's something we pray down and something that was, that's set up. It's something that starts in Joe McNabb. 
It's something that starts in Sherman Browns. It's something that starts in Misty Stampley. It's the joy that, that takes over us and exudes from us with his love and blossoms into this thing of joy. And it changes our life and our church. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd bless everyone here. I pray that you'd bless us. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts. I pray if someone here doesn't know you in a personal way, I pray that today will be the time that they say yes to you. I pray, Lord, that if there's someone here who has said yes to you, but they've pushed you off the throne of their life, I pray that you would speak to them in a special way. Lord, do your business among us. I'm going to let you just continue to pray as the music plays. Has God spoken to you today? If he has, what has he spoken to you about? This thing of joy? Has the evil one pulled you into sin and stolen your joy? If he has, why not today mark this down? Why not get clean before the Lord so he can restore to you the joy of his salvation that he's given to you? I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to let you pray. But I'll be down front. If you've never trusted Christ and you'd like to talk to me about that, it's a little more difficult. But just stand up. Nobody's looking around. And I'll be down here at the Lord's table. If you've wandered away and you want to come back home, you want me to pray with you? I'll pray. If not, the altar's open. If you're interested in being a member of this church, you come and see me. We'll start the process. I'm going to just give you a few moments while you listen to the music. This is your time with God. Heavenly Father, thank you for the way you work in our lives. Thank you for being among us today. I pray, Lord, that you have done a significant work. I ask you, Lord, to go with us. And draw us to yourself that we can be a joyful selves before you. In Jesus' name, amen. You'll just remain seated just for a moment. Uh, I'm a little bit, I am a little bit, 
puzzled because I left something right here that I needed. Joe, somebody needed your baptismal certificate worse than you did. It's gone. I left a little, I left a little, another little thing here, and I can't hold one up now because it's been taken. On the back table, there are some uh, devotions, and they have on front of them worship. This is our worship devotions. I wrote five a week from now till December. This is on our 150th anniversary. Hope you'll pick one up. We've printed up, and if those are gone, we'll print some more. And uh, um, now let me think, see if I can think of all of the. Uh, um, let me see if I can think of all. I have three or four announcements. Number one, I will say to you, congratulations, we exceeded our, our Margaret Lackey goal. Number two is that in three weeks, we have our fall, fest, our fall extravaganza, which is a lot of things. And uh, we have some sign-up sheets on the back. We need your help desperately. We're, when people come in, they'll park over here. That we'll have a, an escort, a group escort, bring them through the chapel where they'll hear, see a three- to five-minute video then carry them back, and then we'll be partnering with Upper Room, and we'll be feeding back here. And, and um, so we'll need parking attendants. We'll need the group escorts, and then we need people to sign up who are going to have their vehicle be a trunk or treat, and we'll set that up over here. So all of those lists are back there. Um, the senior adults are going uh, Thursday week, uh, are going to be here uh, having lunch and playing bingo. Uh, there is a sign-up sheet back there for young people going to the Tar and Wells concert. Wednesday is the last day. I just got a note on that. Mark, I know you want to make an announcement. Before I give it to and Mark, um, first of all, let me say, Parker, Hannah, thank you all so much for coming. Thank you for leading. Why don't you give them a hand for coming and having us today? As most of you know, as most of you know, uh, this week, uh, we lost uh, Brother James Messer, my uncle, and uh, his his wake is this afternoon from 2 to 5 in Mobile, and his service is tomorrow. I canceled the discovery classes today, other meetings that we're going to have because I just need to be there. I'm sure you understand. So here's what I'm going I'm to ask for your understanding. I normally greet you at the door when you leave. Today... Mark's going to make an announcement, but I'm going to go ahead and slip out because we're trying to hit the road because we've got about a two-hour and 20-minute drive, and it starts at 2. So uh, y'all pray. <clears throat> Why don't y'all pray that the Highway Patrol fill a call to the north part of Mississippi instead of south Mississippi, okay? God bless you. I hope we see you back next week. After Mark uh, makes his announcement, then, then y'all are going to sing your way out. October is Pastor Appreciation Month. Deacons would like to invite people.